Hi, this is Candice, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, folks, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and what a joy to be with you today. Thanks for taking time to join me. It is Sunday, May 1st. Last week, we closed out an amazing sermon series about what we believe, and we've just celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ last Easter Sunday. How awesome is that? Are you ready for the next part of our teaching journey this year? I sure am. Today, we begin an amazing five-week series through the New Testament book of James. This letter from James reads like a Monday morning office memo. From the beginning, he expects his readers to put their faith into action, and his challenges are not dated. James addresses practical issues that are as current as this morning's newspaper. As many of you have probably read before, this book is well known for its emphasis on teaching on both faith and works. And by no great coincidence, that's the title of our series, James, Faith and Works. The book of James is believed to be the earliest of all books written in the New Testament. Its author, James, was the half-brother of Jesus, and the pastor, leader, and elder of the church in Jerusalem. Also, significant to our series is the intense persecution and adversity this early church faced. James is not writing as a disconnected observer, but rather as an active participant in the lessons of faith and perseverance that he encourages through his letter. James the Just, as he was affectionately referred to, was a good pastor with an important message for the early church. But this important message continues to be relevant today because the persecution of the church carries on and the experience of personal adversity is felt by every last living being. And so each week, we're going to look at two big ideas from the book of James. Today, we're going to dive into James chapter 1 and address the first two big ideas, which are testing and persevering. Testing of our faith through trials, adversity, and suffering, etc., produce in us a steadfast spirit and perseverance. And perseverance is an invaluable characteristic to those who follow Christ. I've got so much more to share with you, but before I do, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord Jesus, please give us the strength to endure, to persist, and to thrive throughout the various trials and sufferings of this life. And thank you that at the end of it all, we'll receive the greatest promise of hope in eternity with you. In your name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Now there are two main texts for today, and they are James chapter 1, verses 2 through 12, and 2 Timothy 3.12. So open up your Bible or Bible app, and let's read our texts for today. First up, James 1, verses 2 through 12, which says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man 
should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And everybody said, Amen. What an amazing piece of scripture this is. So as I said a few moments ago, each week we'll look at two big ideas from the text. So for today, from James 1, the first two big ideas are testing and persevering. Let's talk more about that. First up, the testing of our faith. Let's break this down. James says in verse 2, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Let's look at the first part of that. Consider it pure joy. Now, it's hard to hear this and imagine that there can be joy in the midst of trials. I mean, I can think of numerous things that I find joy in, and none of them include pain, suffering, destruction, or adversity. When certain circumstances make us angry and we want to blame God, James calls us and the early church to a healthier alternative, which is joy. Those who trust in God ought to exhibit a dramatically different, positive response to the difficult events of life. Our attitude is to be one of genuine rejoicing. This is not joyful anticipation for trials. Instead, it is joy during trials. The joy is based on confidence in the outcome of the trial. And it is the startling realization that trials represent the possibility of growth. In contrast, most people are happy when they escape trials. But James encourages us to have pure joy in the very face of trials. James is not encouraging believers to pretend to be happy. Rejoicing goes beyond happiness. Happiness centers on earthly circumstances and how well things are going here. Joy centers on God and his presence in our experience. The next aspect of testing of our faith is, again, in verse 2, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Let's look at that phrase, whenever you face trials. Notice here that James doesn't say if you experience trials, but rather whenever you do. Trials, problems, and situations can be joy robbers if we lack the proper attitude. Where does this trouble come from? The troubles and trials we face can be hardships from without or temptation from within. A trouble may be a hard situation that tests a person's faith, such as persecution, a difficult moral choice, or even a tragedy. Life's trail is marked with such trials. Enduring one trial is not enough. God's purpose in allowing this process is to develop complete maturity in us. Our second scripture for today is 2 Timothy 3.12, which says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Note it doesn't say might be persecuted. It says will be persecuted. And just because you and I aren't experiencing persecution like the early church did, or like some of our brothers and sisters around the world currently are, don't think for a minute that we've somehow lucked out and been spared the trouble. No, not at all. And lastly, James also says in verse 2, 
that there will be trials of many kinds. That's the last part of the verse. Consider it pure joy whenever you face, here it is, trials of many kinds. This is an extremely important point to remember as the original meaning for many kinds was literally many colors. Do you remember when you first got a box of crayons? I remember when I got my first box of Crayola. It wasn't a real big one like I wanted, but it still had a lot of different colors in it. Well, on the same level, this is the concept being shared by James. There are a huge variety of trials, a many-colored palette, if you will, a palette of adversity and pain that believers around the world will experience in their lifetimes. It differs from person to person, church to church, and culture to culture. We're talking about things like relational pain, mental health and well-being, physical disease and suffering, financial loss, and external persecution. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. In fact, some of you with us today listening to this may well be experiencing a deep testing of your faith. And you may be asking questions like, is God even real? If God is so good, why does he allow evil? Why won't he intervene in my life? Or why won't he heal my child or my spouse or my friend or even me? These are questions we all ask at some point in our faith. But the big question is not, will I experience trials? But rather, as I mentioned a while ago, when I experience trials. And the good news is that although there are various trials, more numerous than the colors found in a box of crayons, there is also a God in heaven who is weaving every trial, every color into a magnificent and meaningful tapestry. The trick is learning to trust him through the process. And that's the second idea I want to talk with you about. It's called perseverance. Now Webster's Dictionary defines perseverance as persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. And for those who follow Jesus, what do you think achieving success means? Or said in a different way, what would it look like to live a successful life as a follower of Christ? Well, James gives us some insight into that answer when he says in verses three and four, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Perseverance is faith stretched out. It involves trusting God for a long direction. James is not questioning the faith of his readers. He assumes that they trust in Christ. He is not convincing people to believe, but he is encouraging people to remain faithful to the end. James knows that their faith is real, but it lacks maturity. We can't really know our own depth until we see how we react under pressure. You know, precious diamonds begin as coal, subjected to intense pressure over a period of time. The testing of your faith is the combined pressure that life brings to bear on you. Perseverance, like a precious gem, is the intended outcome of this testing. Perseverance is not a passive submission to circumstances. It is a strong and active response to the difficult events of life, standing on your feet as you face the storms. You know, it's not in our nature to persevere. When it comes to trials, we would rather escape, explain, or exit the difficulty. In fact, we will tend to do almost anything to avoid persevering a trial. Faithful perseverance generates whole people recognized as strong in character or mature. 
we will be well-seasoned, experienced, well-developed, fit for the tasks God sent us into the world to do. This strength is a quality developed by how much we have learned from the trials we've experienced. Success for the believer is wholeness in Christ, and wholeness is found on the other side of suffering. There's something unique about suffering, pain, and adversity that produces a divine character in us. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 5, 3-5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Adversity calls us to go higher, to be greater, and to trust deeper. Suffering expands our faith. Pain drives us into the arms of the Father. And as we learn over and over and over again to trust our Heavenly Father through any and every situation, our capacity to hope increases. Our capacity to be faithful increases. And we learn to persevere because of the promise that we have in Jesus. Amen and amen. So those are the two big ideas, testing and perseverance, that come from the scripture passage today, James 1, verses 2 through 12. But there's one more thing I want you to know, and it's what I call the promise. As we grow in faith and learn to follow Christ, we must also learn to keep our eyes on him no matter how difficult or seemingly impossible the circumstances get. The Apostle Paul talks about this throughout his letters, but there's one place in Philippians that I find especially poignant, and that's in Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14, which says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's motivation is Christ. Through various trials, suffering, and persecution, Paul presses on. You get the feeling he's learned to count it all joy, just like James says. 18th century abolitionist William Wilberforce said, and I quote, Our motto must continue to be perseverance. And ultimately, I trust the Almighty will crown our efforts with success, end quote. And success for the believer is to finish the race and receive the promise of eternal salvation made available through Christ. Now, with that in mind, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so easily entangled. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Throw off any weight or burden, beloved, that's holding you back from pursuing Christ. Throw off the sin clinging to your life. Run the race set before you, and when you need help, Think about these three specific encouragements that I'm going to share with you from today's passage. Here's the first encouragement. It is, if you need wisdom through the trial, just ask. Look at verse 5 of the text, James 1, verse 5. 
It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. By wisdom, James is talking not only about knowledge, about the ability to make wise decisions in difficult circumstances. Whenever we need wisdom, we can pray to God, and he will generously supply what we need. But wisdom also means practical discernment. It means with respect for God. It leads to right living, and it results in increased ability to tell right from wrong. God is willing to give us this wisdom, but we will be unable to receive it if our goals are self-centered instead of God-centered. The next encouragement is found in verses 6 through 8, and it says, Don't let doubt creep into the process. Doubt and faith can't coexist together. Look at verses 6 through 8, James 1, 6 through 8. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Look at that phrase, to believe and not doubt. It means not only believing in the existence of God, but also believing in his loving care. It includes relying on God and expecting that he will hear and answer when we pray. A mind that wavers is not completely convinced that God's way is best. It treats God's word like human advice, and it retains the option to disobey. Doubt leaves a person as unsettled as the restless waves of the sea. If you want to stop being tossed about, rely on God to show you what's best for you. Ask him for wisdom and trust that he will give it to you. Then your decisions will be sure and solid. And the last encouragement is this. Stay humble. Be careful not to think too little or too much of yourself. God's love, grace, and compassion and mercy are impartial. Look at verses 9 through 11. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. The poor should be glad that riches mean nothing to God. Otherwise, these people would be considered unworthy. The rich should be glad that money means nothing to God because money is easily lost. We find true wealth by developing our spiritual life, not by developing our financial assets. God is interested in what is lasting. He's interested in our souls, not in what's temporary, like our money and possessions. We should strive to treat each person as Christ would treat him or her. Let me bring this to a close. As I said earlier, and it's worth repeating, adversity calls us to go higher, to be greater, and to trust deeper. Suffering expands our faith. Pain drives us into the arms of the Father. And as we learn over and over to trust our Heavenly Father through any and every situation, our capacity to hope increases. So count all the various trials in your life as joy, for they are producing something immeasurably valuable in you. Our passage from James ends with verse 12, which says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. As athletes persevere in training in order to improve their ability and endurance for competition, so Christians persevere in spiritual training as they patiently 
persevere under trial. For this will bring about maturity and completeness. The way we get into God's winner circle is to love him and stay faithful under pressure. And the real good news is there's a finish line. Isn't that great to hear? Someday the test will be over. The first chapter of James teaches us that God's long-term goal for us is to maturity and completeness, but his eternal goal for us is the crown of life, a rich expression of hope. Christians can consider themselves truly blessed, no matter what their outward circumstances, because they've been promised the crown of life. In this coming week, I want you to think about the various trials you have faced or maybe are facing right now. What have you learned or what are you learning from them? What would you have done differently? How would you help someone else get through a similar season in their lives? If you're in the midst of great suffering today, please know we're with you. God is for you and he's listening to your prayers. Remember to ask for wisdom, to exercise faith, and stay humble through the process. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.